Here we are, your reaction to Star Wars Celebration Chicago, Episode 9 trailer, The Mandalorian Reveal, Chinese Banthas, Family Inspirations, Rogue One Tanks, Fans That Are Dads, and more right now, right here on the Scare of Podcast. Scare of Control, this is TK226. Come in, Scare of Control. What I'm thinking. Yeah, looks like they're talking Star Wars again. General Veers, prepare your men. How's it going, Star Wars fans? Grab your sunscreen and your blasters. You've tuned into the Scarif Podcast. This is the Scarif Scuttlebutt. Wow, that is fantastic. This is the Scarif Podcast. I've got Brad from South Carolina on the other end. Brad, how's it going? Pretty good, man. We got Roe from the Windy City in Chicago. How you doing, brother? Excellent, excellent. Uh, let's explain to the folks that uh, found our podcast, what, what are we doing here tonight? Well, we are both lifelong Star Wars fans, uh, since we can both remember. And uh, I think we're starting this podcast at the right time, coming right off the heels of Star Wars Celebration. You got to be there. How was it? Oh, it was fantastic. You know, it's not my first Star Wars Celebration. I was in the uh, Indianapolis one. Um, but let me tell you, it's fantastic. It was fantastic news when I heard that uh, it was coming to Chicago, coming to my city. Um, first of all, I, I saved a ton of money because I didn't have to travel that much. Uh, and uh, it was fantastic. It was fantastic meeting fans. We'll get to hear a few uh, stories from fans later on in the broadcast. But, uh, Brad, I'm, I am super excited about this. We have been talking about this for quite a while, haven't we? Yeah, man. It's been a long time coming, and it seems like uh, it was just the right time to do it, to start it now. Exactly. We've got Star Wars Celebration. We've got a whole bunch of Star Wars news that just came out during that event. And uh, five days of Star Wars, um, I don't know. You still, you still high? Right yeah, now? I'm still high. As I've been telling everybody, I'm still on Coruscant time, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, still, uh, I'm ready for another five days, but... Uh, yeah, one of the things that really impressed me, and I guess even with other events such as C2E2, which is also held here in Chicago at McCormick Place, and we've got Wizard World in Rosemont, which is uh, right outside uh, the city uh, near the airport. Uh, and the thing that really intrigues me, and, and I'm very impressed, is at the costumes that people build. And uh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And... I've, I was posting a couple of pictures of people in Stormtrooper outfits and Shore Troopers and Darth Vaders. And, I mean, the list goes on. It, it's amazing at the amount of work that goes into putting these costumes. And some of, those, uh, some of the interviews you did are with some of those cosplayers. And uh, just, uh, the, like you said, the amount of work, Dave Filoni mentioned it in the Mandalorian uh, panel, that they even used the 501st. That's right. Their, they're so good. Yeah, that's right. I mean, imagine being, you know, just a cosplayer, a fan, and uh, getting a call that you need to be at a certain location. You don't know what that location is. You don't know what the event is. And obviously the 501st, they're uh, used to doing charity work, you know, going to hospitals, going to uh, visit uh, folks to do their charity work. Imagine, you know, rolling up to the set of uh, The Mandalorian and, and realizing, holy crap, the, we're going to be in a Star Wars movie. Well, considering I just got goosebumps when you said that, I think I would do the same thing, uh, arriving on the set there, just speechless. I know, speechless, speechless. I remember uh, I, w uh, I was at the uh, panel when Dave Filoni announced that, and uh, the crowd went crazy. 
And speaking of crowds going crazy, you know, we're also going to talk a little bit about our reaction for Star Wars Episode Nine trailer. Um, did you watch the the, the panel uh, live stream? I did. The live stream was great, and I'm I'm glad. Uh, unlike the Mandalorian panel that they did, that they actually showed the uh, trailer on the live stream, and uh, just you know, from that very first second on there, uh, with Ray uh, on that uh, sandy planet with the, uh, you know, presumably uh, Kylo in his tie, uh, all the way through the end. Then of course, um, I'm gonna say I'm. We'll, we'll get to your biggest moment uh, later on, but the uh, biggest moment for me for that celebration was Ian McDermott coming on stage and saying, roll it again. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> drop the mic. Oh, d- totally. And, you know, I was there. You can feel the energy in the uh, Wintrust Arena where, where they held the event. Uh, first of all, the, you know, it, it still amazes me after all these years that when you see the Lucasfilm logo, people still go crazy. And uh, the trailer was, was great, and uh, there was a little bit of silence uh, after the, uh, the applause. And then, uh, and then he came out. Uh, Ian McDermott came out, and uh, people went ballistic. Can you imagine? I, I, uh, I was at uh, uh, Orlando in Orlando when the Last Jedi trailer, uh, I had to hear it from afar, and I wasn't in the panel or anything. And it was just electric there, so I can only imagine how it was for this trailer it was like the beatles oh i imagine yeah yeah, it was just a wall of like screaming you know people and then like you said he you know he just picked up his mic and in his uh emperor voice you roll it again it was it was incredible incredible did you did you hear anything negative whatsoever there about that trailer no you know here's the thing that also surprised me you know star wars celebration obviously there were a lot of people that uh online that i saw personally that um, hinted at, I don't know, uh, almost like protesting outside, um, showing their discontent uh, for whatever reason, The Last Jedi, Solo, Kathleen Kennedy, whatever whatever the reason may be. You know, I I heard a lot of people say that uh, if they went, that that's what they were going to do. Fortunately, I didn't see any of that, um, you know, other than Tom Kane, the guy that plays Yoda, was it Yoda? No, no, Admiral yeah. Akbar. You know, other Admiral than Akbar. yeah, other than him on stage, you know, giving the Last Jedi a little fluff, there was absolutely no problems, no issues. I heard nothing. It really was a celebration of Star Wars, no matter what you felt, uh, uh, what was happening with the franchise. So, it was uh, it was a relief to experience that, um, and uh, I had posted a tweet. I I, I think. That event really kind of restored my faith in, in Star Wars and the fandom going forward. It does. I mean, everybody, you know, whether, you know, what your feelings are on the fandom right now and the way Disney is treating the franchise, it, like you said, if you want to have your faith in Star Wars restored, you have to get to one of these celebrations. And it only, it doesn't have to be for the whole five days. If you just go for one day and you just feel the vibes there, Obviously, seeing all the cosplay, um, all the props that people have made, that's all amazing. But if you just feel the vibes there, it's electric. That will instantaneously restore your faith in in Star Wars. And it surely did because, like I said, I I met a lot of people, uh, talked to a a whole bunch of people, and uh, 
It really was. It was like being in, in, you know, like a family picnic. So it's fantastic. So speaking of people, I did some interviews, um, as you uh, saw on Twitter. And yep. uh, you know what? Tell tell the folks what our Twitter handle is. Um, you did a great job uh, pretty much rallying the troops and, and being able to find us and follow us on Twitter. And obviously, the website is fantastic. Uh, we created a YouTube. So what's what's the Twitter handle? Yeah, if you want to find us on Twitter, look us up at Scarif Podcast. Now, remember, Scarif only has one F, so that's C-A-R-I-F Podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, Scarif Podcast. You can find us there. And when you find our Twitter, then you'll find links to our YouTube that we're getting up and running, as well as the website. And the website is really easy to find as well, which is simply Scarif.show. And that'll get you to our website. We'll be posting our podcast on both the YouTube and on the website as well as other places. So we're trying to make it as accessible as possible. But please do look us up on Twitter. Um, we thrive on the interaction with our fellow fans. So look us up as soon as possible so we can start those conversations. Yeah, we sure do. And, and you've already started a few conversations. We've got uh, a lot of folks that uh, have really participated even when um, during the Star Wars celebration. So thank you very much for that. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a wonderful journey here. Um, and speaking of a wonderful journey, we interviewed the actor um, at work. We interviewed the actor that played uh, an Ewok in Return of the Jedi, and he was telling us, I can't remember his name, but he was telling us how uh, Star Wars is kind of a generational thing. He's met you know, parents and grandparents and, you know, adult children that have shared the love of Star Wars. And uh, I found quite a, a, a lot of uh, people uh, out there that really are kind of carrying the torch and, and continuing that legacy of, of sharing Star Wars with family. What do you think of that, Brad? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, as Yoda said in episode two, you know, you know beautiful is the mind of the child, you know, in, in his own Yoda, Yoda speak. But seeing, uh, and I know you've got a kid, I've got four kids uh, of my own, uh, Padawans, as you were, um, and seeing the saga through their eyes, it, it makes it a brand new experience every single time. We've, you know, since I can remember, you know, Return of the Jedi is the first movie I remember seeing, and I've, I've lost count, you know, it's in the hundreds how many times I've seen that movie. But to watch the movies through their eyes and to get those experiences, um, it makes it brand new. You know, one one story that comes to mind is uh, Rogue One, when uh, Darth Vader uh, boards uh, their ship at the end. And my kids were watching that, and when the door got jammed, and I, you know, I'd already watched Rogue One many times before this. When the door got jammed, one of my kids said, Hey, I think Darth Vader is holding that with the Force. Oh, and nice. I just, you know, and of course I just got goosebumps saying that. And whether or not that is true, you know, if that's what the writers, directors intended, um, you know, just that idea that, you know, he's holding that with the Force and then continues to slaughter the rebels after that. You know, he, you know, and that's, you know, that's from a kid saying that. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, so it, it makes it a brand new experience, and you know, we all get uh, kind of rusty in our fandom, if you will. Um, some of us kids will get a little crotchety, you know, and uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of bitterness these days. But you know, when you make it a generational thing, of, of course, we've posted plenty of pictures 
uh, with the kids, you know, it makes it a brand new experience and it keeps it fresh. So, you know, that's keeping uh, it within the family. Totally. That's that's amazing. I didn't even think about that. And uh, talk about uh, the mind of a child, uh, like you said, Yoda's quote. Uh, really bringing uh, a new perspective on on, on things. That's uh, I got goosebumps on that one too. Wow. Yeah. So and you wouldn't you know, get, get that unless you no. shared it with your kids. Exactly. 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 That's fantastic. Uh, so yeah, like you said, I mean, we we're watching these movies over and over again. You do have to watch more than once. To there's so much going on there, and there's so much. But uh, let's uh, let's listen to an interview I did with. Uh, uh, a lady named Andrea, and she really uh, kind of hit it home. She talks about uh, Star Wars being a generational thing. Uh, she's a grandmother. She uh, took her, her child to see Star Wars way back when, and uh, she really had some great things to say. Let's, uh, let's take a listen. Over here! Hey! Hey! I found a Star Wars fan. What's your name? My name is Andrea. Andrea. So uh, how long have you been a Star Wars fan? Let's say I took my son to the original movie, and together we saw it 13 times the first year. Wow. So, Back in 1977. Yes, and I've been to every celebration except for the first one. Oh, yeah, the one, the rainy one that Warwick Davis was talking about? Yeah, the one in Colorado. So what are you doing today? What... Uh, any news? What happened today? Well, t today they announced the title of the next film. How? That's exciting. What, what do you think? Is, I, I was overjoyed. I really am. I'm so looking forward to it. Excellent. So what do you think? It's very bittersweet. The end of the nine film saga that George started. Uh, what's going through your mind right now? Well, it's, it's kind of, I'm an older person. I'm an older fan. And it's kind of like life. You know, it's, you have your good, your ups, your downs. You know, I've seen my grandchild born and um, now she's taller than I am. <laughs> so as a Star Wars fan, I mean, you see all these people and again, decades, decades of Star Wars fans uh, from 1977, mothers, fathers, grandparents, kids. There's a lot of people. Can you describe a little bit of uh, the type of uh, folks that you see here at Celebration? Oh, you see everyone. You see from the little ones in costume, and they know who they are. You know, all the way up to grandparents like me. And um, a lot of them are in costume, and they know who they are, too. <laughs> so it's a family thing. It's a great uh, experience. Yeah, it's a wonderful experience. So uh, where are you from? I am from Shakopee, Minnesota. Oh, wow. And you traveled here for celebration? Yes. Excellent. So how long have you been preparing for this event? Since I heard about it. <laughs> when they announced it, I marked the calendar to get the tickets. Excellent. Prudent traveler, yes? Yes. And I actually left a day early before the snowstorms. Oh, that's right, because you guys got snow up north and uh, elsewhere. Uh, it was a little cold here, but uh, uh, how do you like Chicago? I love it. I'm actually um, a distant member of the Chicago Force because I lived here for many years and then ended up moving to Minnesota. Oh, excellent. Is there anything you'd like to say to our loyal Star Wars listeners? 
Oh, just come and have a super duper time. You heard it here, and that's the scuttlebutt. You know, I think she nailed it on that one. Um, obviously, we talked about the generational aspect of the Star Wars saga, but, uh, you know, what she said there at the end, I think is, um, is spot on. As far as going to celebration, I saw, you know, I did live vicariously through all you guys that were out there in Chicago, but... Uh, I saw a lot of consternation ahead of time about, you know, am I going to get into this panel, that panel, the, the lottery, stressing out about all that. I understand that, you know, as a fan. But part of me believes, and when I went down there to Orlando, of course, that was my first one, uh, I didn't have a plan at all when we went down there. We, we were going just to go. And I think that's kind of what she was alluding to as well. I think you should go to Star Wars Celebration, you know, with an open mind and an open schedule. And just you know, let it take you where it will. What I agree. I totally agree. Um, and I, again, you know, I, I've been to other Star Wars celebrations, other events, and I know they're they're very highly structured. There's a whole bunch of things that I that I missed. But uh, I think if you're rushing to and fro, I think uh, you would probably uh, miss the experience. Like uh, Qui Gon Jinn said in Episode One. You know, be mindful uh, of your surroundings, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, a lot of people were asking me, you know, are you making a schedule? And, and I really don't. I, I like to walk in, um, you know, wi eyes wide open and just kind of a, a, ex absorb it all. Um, and like she said, yeah, just come and have fun. I think uh, that's the best way of doing it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, going back to the trailer, we had a question from one of our Twitter followers, Shannon Smith. Oh, yeah. And she wanted to know, who do you think is flying that ship that Ray jumps over? Which, by the way, is probably the coolest thing I've ever seen. Uh, do you think it's Kylo or perhaps one of the new cast members like Carrie Russell? What do you think? That's interesting. Obviously, you know, at first glance, you think it's Kylo. They showed the gloves. They showed the, uh, the what's the ship called? The silencer. It does seem like a training exercise uh, somehow, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, the, as of right now, I guess I'll go ahead and stick with the easy answer and say, yes, it is Kylo. But I'm going to caveat that with the fact that Lucasfilm is a master of misdirection, uh, as we've seen from the Rogue One trailers, the Last Jedi trailer. Actually, the Last Jedi trailers were pretty straightforward. Um, but like the Rogue One and um, Solo, you know, they're pretty good at misdirection. Sure. And, uh, you know, those guys, you know, you guys in the editing field know, know how it goes. The way they edit those, they make you think one thing, and then you know something completely different happens. Sure. So, uh, I'll, you know, official answer: yes, I'll say Kylo. But I'm kind of with you. I think it's some sort of training exercise. Um, that, or they're teaming up in some way. You know, this movie they say uh, it's going to take place uh, not immediately after the end of uh, the Last Jedi. So there's some right. time in between. So who knows? Who knows? How much time do you think has passed? Uh, I want to say a couple of years, maybe maybe three years, maybe longer. Uh, yeah, I'm really... So there was 10 years between episodes one and two, uh, about 20 years between three and four. I would like to see it somewhere between the five to 10 year range. Yeah. And obviously you can see that... Uh, 
the Skywalker lightsaber has been repaired. It's working fine. So obviously there's some time that has passed. Um, so yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see uh, what time does to uh, our hero's uh, situation, our hero's journey in this case, right? Right. Well, we got uh, a few months to dissect this thing, so we don't want to do it all tonight. But uh, do you think Anakin Skywalker is going to come back in some way, shape, or form? I was just talking to some colleagues uh, about that. I think the reference to the uh, rise of Skywalker, uh, in my opinion, I definitely think it's Anakin. I don't think it's uh, Ray or Luke or anybody else. I do think it's Anakin. And if J.J. is tying the, um, the prequel trilogy together with everything else, uh, going back to that, if Anakin Skywalker is the chosen one in the prophecy, then I think uh, what better way to fulfill that prophecy finally uh, through the rise of Skywalker, and in this case, Anakin. And I'm trying to think, you know, they talk about the prophecy a lot in the movies, um, and and I remember in the old legends they went into the prophecy a little bit more. Do you are you aware of anything in the current canon that specifically calls out the exact words of that prophecy? No, no, no. Other than other than the movie, and obviously they, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like they were reading from text or anything. They just knew of the prophecy, uh, the one that will come and bring balance to the force. And, and really, you know, we don't know exactly what that balance is. Is it uh, like Snoke says, you know, an equal amount of of light to counter the dark or is Anakin coming back to eliminate you know Sith and evil in the galaxy once and for all and is that what they're referring to I don't know well it's it's pretty interesting what do you think of the, about the idea of gray Jedi um, yeah that's a good one I'm not sure you know I think the closest that we get to a gray Jedi uh, I think uh, is uh, Qui-Gon maybe um, because he did have uh, some radical ideas that maybe weren't very popular uh, in the Jedi Council as we know obviously we've got uh, other Jedi that are they're kind of like doing their own thing without the Jedi Council's guidance like uh, sifo who uh, obviously went uh, behind everybody's back and created this clone army um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. I do remember someone of importance, like maybe Dave Filoni, maybe not Dave Filoni, but someone saying that that uh, within canon, Gray Jedi is not a thing. But we've definitely uh, have seen in past Star Wars incarnation, you know, properties that uh, the Jedi are not all that they're cracked up to be, and uh, they're. Uh, obviously not perfect and infallible right and i think there are two references though that immediately come to my mind one is that um you know in the last jedi you have that basically a yin yang symbol there in that ancient jedi cave oh yes um and also the character of bendu in star wars rebels that's who true claims to be right down the middle and he made it pretty clear to kanan that he didn't really appreciate either side the Jedi uh, or the Sith. Yeah. Um, so it's possible. What a mysterious character, and I wish we, uh, I hope to see him again uh, sometime soon. Um, obviously, uh, 
for many reasons. He's he's a very interesting character in the lore, uh, and I love the fact that he's voiced by uh, Doctor Who's Tom Baker. It's fantastic. Absolutely. So, uh, well, thank you, Shannon, for that question. What do you think of uh, how Star Wars inspires people to be uh, to be free, to be, uh, you know, you were talking about how you saw a lot of people on Twitter, you know, kind of being trepidatious about uh, coming to Star Wars Celebration, but uh, even some folks that were kind of afraid to, um, to express themselves uh, through their art, through creativity. Uh, how has Star Wars... Um, how have you seen Star Wars kind of help people that might have uh, situations like that? Yeah, for the longest kind of time, you know, for lack of a better word, and I embrace these words fully, you know, nerd or geek, you know, for the longest kind of time, you know, decades, I was a closet nerd, closet geek, whatever you want to call it, you know, so uh, I considered myself to be an encyclopedia of Star Wars knowledge, but I kept it to myself. Um, and the thing with Star Wars, it has a way of making people feel comfortable. Um, and so they have something to, something to embrace, especially if they go to something like Star Wars Celebration. You find out how many people are just like you. And, and we see it on Twitter. We see people from all walks of life, all ages, nationalities. Uh, we see people with disabilities. Um, depression, you know, what have you. But we all have this thing that binds us together, and that's a love for Star Wars. So I think Star Wars has a way of giving people that confidence that they need to be able to openly express themselves. That's so true. It's it's one of those things that, you know, art inspires, uh, and uh, this is certainly an inspiration for a lot of people. Um, I also have a uh, Star Wars question from one of our followers, and actually... They are a podcast, uh, a group that uh, they're actually recording their episode tomorrow. So I kind of uh, hijacked their timeline to see if they wanted to exchange a quick uh, question on Twitter. So their question uh, for us, uh, they are followers of the force. Are you familiar with uh, with them? Definitely. And we'll uh, link them on Twitter. Yeah, for after sure. We the show. So the. His question was, what was your favorite moment from Celebration? And uh, I'll have to think about that while you answer that question. What's uh, What was your favorite moment for Celebration? I pretty much already alluded to it. And anybody that knows me knows that I'm a loyal Imperial. Just the fiction, not, not, not the real idea. <laughs> but having Palpatine back, uh, so the, the laugh, the the cackle, if you will, at the end of that trailer, followed by Ian McDermott uh, coming out on stage and in his best Palpatine voice saying, roll it again. Um, That, you know, just gives me goosebumps every time I see it. And I've probably watched it a dozen times already. But, you know, and that's the greatest thing about Ian McDermott. As George Lucas and everybody else will tell you, he is probably the nicest man that you'll ever meet. And you can see that in the interviews that he gives you know, he is just a sweet, kind man, and he is, I think, playing the greatest villain that was, you know, ever on screen. Yeah. Um, I'll say that unequivocally, and uh, and, he, and he does it so well. So if, if he is actually any part of Episode Nine, which all signs point to yes, then 
I think a lot of fans are going to come back and, and really be happy with how the saga turned out. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, that actor who plays Palpatine is amazing. I think Palpatine is such an amazing character from the get-go, and I am so happy that uh, they got him to, you know, to play Palpatine in the uh, the prequel trilogies. Uh, it just obviously ties everything together. Um, but his performances, yeah, you know, when he was telling Anakin in the, in, in that opera, the, the the tale of Plagueis, the way he the way he told that story to Anakin, I mean, talk about chills down your spine. He was just. He was right there controlling the situation, and he's been behind the scenes controlling the situation like a, a master chess player. Do you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? No. I thought not. It's not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis the dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. Yeah, that's undoubtedly my favorite scene in the entire saga, the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise, and I don't care whether it's legends, canon, whatever you want to call it, everybody needs, if you haven't done so, read the book Darth Plagueis by James Lucino, He's, you know, he's written a number of things. James Lucino is a brilliant writer, but read Darth Plagueis. If anybody thinks that episode one is cheesy, you know, they don't like the idea of the taxation of trade routes. What does that even mean? Go read the book Darth Plagueis by James Lucino, and then immediately watch episode one right after that. Your respect, or whatever you want to call it, for Palpatine We'll just go through the roof if you do that. Like you said, this is a mastermind, and not just you know weeks, months, you know years. This was a plan that was decades in the making. Yeah. So you see how much foresight that he needed. You know, the whole everything is proceeding as you know he has foreseen. Right. Decades in the making. So. So you know, getting back to inspiration, uh, another interview that I did with a young lady named Laura uh, here in Chicago. She. Uh, she was talking about how uh, she was inspired uh, to be who she was meant to be. Uh, growing up, you know, uh, she was told that Star Wars was for boys, and we hear a lot of those stories where, uh, you know, you get bullied for liking something, and, and, and like you said, it's, you know, it's a shame that people are closet Star Wars fans, like, like, like you said you were, and uh, it's... Uh, but uh, her inspiration was, and I think it's one of the things that uh, Disney has done really well to let uh, the uh, Ashley Eckstein kind of take charge of the her universe, you know, line of clothing. But not just a line of clothing. I think it's like a, a, a philosophy. It's grown into a philosophy of, of empowerment, um, and I, I think it's uh, I think it's a fantastic uh, thing uh, that she's doing and that Disney's doing. What do you what do you think of? What do you think of Ashley Eckstein and, and, and what she's been doing for the fandom? Yeah, her, like you said, it really is a movement. You know, you wouldn't, it, it did start off as a, I want to say simple clothing line, but I mean, it was just, it was just a clothing line. Um, and I think there are a lot of parallels between what she's doing and you know, how people see the character of Ahsoka. You know, when 
she started off, I believe it was 2008, when the Clone Wars movie uh, and show started. People hated, a lot of people hated Ahsoka as the character. Or Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember not liking her at all. She was whiny, she, et cetera, et cetera. Right, you got Fly Guy, you know, uh, R2E and, and that sort of thing. But now she is one of the favorite characters in Star Wars fandom now. And it's and you, you don't need to qualify that and say one of the top female characters. You don't right. need to do that. She is just one of the top characters in Star Wars. So, you know, what she did uh, as the Clone Wars progressed and then um, what she did throughout Star Wars Rebels being fulcrum and then obviously the the finale there was just amazing people can't get enough ahsoka now and right. a lot of that has to do with the treatment that uh ashley gave her yes um so you can see easily how she's an inspiration um to you know both women and men but uh, i'm glad that you know uh that we've given um you know there there is a strong female character uh like ahsoka now that people can latch onto and, and emulate Definitely, definitely. And watching uh, Clone Wars and, and Rebels with my son, we were able to make a great connection. And, you know, we saw the progression of her character from the Clone Wars you know, movie all throughout. And, uh, yeah, she's, like you said, she's, she's my top, she's in my top five. Uh, can't get enough of Ahsoka. I read the book. And uh, we, we love her as a character. Uh, she's a strong you know, a strong Star Wars character, and, and, and we love it. And uh, so, yeah, Laura uh, took a lot of uh, inspiration from Ashley Eckstein, and uh, let's uh, let's hear what she has to say because it's very, uh, it's kind of a personal thing for her, but I'm sure a lot of people uh, would be able to connect with what she has to say. A youngling? And who are you supposed to be? I'm Ahsoka. Master Yoda sent me. All right, so here's the scuttlebutt. Here are, I am with... Laura. Laura, where are you from? I'm actually here from Chicago. Oh, awesome. All the money you saved for not traveling. <laughs> Same here, yeah. So uh, how long have you been a Star Wars fan, and what does this event mean to you? You know what? I've been a Star Wars fan since I was little, but um, I'm tearing up thinking about this. I... I really am one of those people who always thought that girls can't like Star Wars. And so um, about 2010 when Ashley Eckstein started doing the Her Universe, you know, we can like this too, is when I really started to be like, okay, I can do this. And that's when I started coming to Celebration. And I only missed 2017 since then. So That's awesome. So uh, growing up, what characters did you, because of that issue, what characters did you identify with? And then how did that switch around? I mean, we... As girls, we really only had Leia, but I really loved, I mean, all of them. Han and, and Luke and Chewie and R2, so. Were you at the episode nine panel? I had to watch from the exhibit floor, but we were very excited out there. So, um, have you met Ashley? Have I met her? I've seen her from a distance a couple times. What do you think of her character and her movement? I'm sorry? What do you think of her character, um, Ahsoka, obviously, and what do you think of what she's doing for fans, you know, both male and female, really? I, I love Ahsoka. I, I think uh, for little girls especially, she's a great person to look, look up to Star Wars-wise. Um, but like I said, Ashley is kind of the, the person that got me 
to, to come out and be a Star Wars fan, so I think the movement is phenomenal. And I love to see it grow every time I come back to Celebration. So you're, we're here at Celebration. You're seeing a lot of people, a lot of fans get together. Can you describe a little bit what you feel like when you see, uh, you know, little Ahsokas and little, uh, just everybody just getting together and celebrating this franchise? Oh my gosh, the little rays are my favorite because they've got their, you know, their sticks and they just, they look so fierce all the time and they're just so into this and they're, they're just little badasses. <laughs> so what do you, what message do you have the, to the little badasses about Star Wars? <laughs> How would you encourage them to, to just let loose and don't let anybody, you know, put you down? Um, it, there's so much negative stuff, but it just, shut it all out and do your thing and don't worry about it. I mean, I'm at Star Wars Celebration flying solo as a girl and I'm having a blast. So I hope that they do too. That is awesome. What was your name again? Laura. Laura. Thank you very much, Laura. And can you say, may the force be with you? May the force be with you. Awesome. And that's the scuttlebutt. I tell you what, the quote of the day is shut it all out and do your thing. These days, Star Wars fandom, there's so much talk about what does it mean to be a fan? You know, do you have to like this movie, like that movie, like this character, hate that character? None of that matters. You know, what she said is, you know, dead on. Shut it out, shut it all out and do your thing. That's what it means to be a Star Wars fan. You like what you want to like about Star Wars. If you just like the Clone Wars cartoon, just watch the Clone Wars cartoon. If The Last Jedi is the only movie you like, then watch The Last Jedi every single day. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Um, but, you know, that is a message that every single Star Wars fan needs to embrace. You know, not just for themselves, but recognizing that others are doing the same thing. They need to like it in their own way and let others like it in their way. Um, so I think she nailed it. Yeah, it's a, it's it's definitely like religion. It's very personal. It's uh, everybody's got a different take on it. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, but it's it's really cool. It's 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 the tapestry of of our lives. It's the tapestry of uh, the difference of uh, ideology and. And I think George Lucas, he was asked years ago, and this is a segue I wasn't planning on going off on, but why not while we're here? He was asked years ago about Star Wars and specifically the Force becoming a religion, like you said. Uh, how do you think George Lucas would think about that today? He knows full well that it's become a religion. I think what's well, like the 12th largest religion in England right now, something like that, and I oh, just wow. pulled that stat out of my butt. But uh, yeah, uh, what do you think, even, even if it's not you know officially your religion, how do you think George Lucas would feel knowing that not only is it a religion, but there have become different uh, what uh, sects and uh, you know congregations whatever you want to call them uh, for Star Wars you know it, it, it's interesting uh, I did hear uh, a few years back that uh, during some of the US census people were writing down Jedi as religion and uh, you know it's kind of funny but uh, you know there's a lot of uh, stuff in Star Wars that uh, obviously comes from religion it comes from uh, I guess George Lucas's uh, anthropology background, the study of man and, and hero's journey and Joseph Campbell and all the stuff that we already know about. And, you know, it's been here for 40 plus years and we're still talking about it. Uh, 
you know, what do you think of that? Yeah, and this is uh, going to the to focus on the little badasses, as she put it, which I think is an awesome way to put it. Um, you know, this is the same same kid that is uh, fully convinced that it was Boba Fett that uh, torched Uncle Owen and Baru <laughs> on, on Tatooine yeah. with his flamethrower because he's kind of obsessed with uh, uh, with Boba Fett and what he can do. But uh, yeah, you know with these little badasses talking about the female characters, you know, obviously Ahsoka is probably the top, you know, Ahsoka, Ray, uh, Jen Erso, but you know, people need to be reminded that there's all kinds of positive female role models in the star Wars universe, both Canon and legends. Sure. Um, you got, uh, you know, Mon Mothma, uh, yeah. Ray Sloan. If you're uh, on the Imperial side, uh, like we said, Jen Erso, uh, you have uh, Darth Xana back in the day with uh, the Darth Bane trilogy. Um, so there, there are all kinds of positive female role models for, you know, both girls and boys to emulate. Sure. And I don't think we need to, you know, stick to, you know, one gender or the other. You know, just hey, if it's a positive character, you know, my kids don't want to, you know, my daughters going back to little badasses don't want to play, you know, the the princess that's getting rescued every single time. Hey, sure. they want to be a Sith Lord, you know, and, and, and <laughs> so be it, you know, they want to be a strong character and fantastic. Star Wars is full of them. I've got another interview of some uh, guys that uh, came from Texas. And uh, if you didn't already know, you know, Star Wars celebration was five days. Uh, the weather was fantastic, except for one day on Sunday, we got like something crazy, like six inches of snow, which is like, it, it shocked me. It was like, you know, in February again. Um, but, uh, you know, he was uh, talking about how tough Chicagoans are. And I'm like, wow, coming from someone from Texas. So, yeah, Matt and his friends came from Texas to share in the Star Wars celebration and experience uh, what Chicago has to offer. Let's roll the clip and see what Matt has to say. Hey guys, how's it going? We are with Matt. Matt, how you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Where are you coming from, Matt? Uh, I'm coming from Austin, Texas. Oh, Austin, Texas. So, is this your first time in Chicago? Yes. Awesome. What do you think of our city? It's pretty awesome. A uh, lot of tough people out here, man. A lot, <laughs> a lot of, lot of strong, a lot of uh, burly people. Wow, and that's uh, coming from someone from Texas, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Our, our bums have nothing on these bums here, dude. <laughs> Awesome. So what do you think of Star Wars Celebration? How long have you been a fan? And describe to me your uh, feeling of being here. I've probably, I've been a fan since, what, I saw the New Hope in fifth grade when it was re-released in theaters, THX, the whole shebang. It was great. I had the most fun. It's inspired me since then. And it's something that's never going to leave my life. It's, I've grown out of a lot of things, never grow out of Star Wars. That's awesome. And you came with your friends? Yeah, I came with my best friend here, Al, who actually paid for my ticket and paid for my beer and... <laughs> Oh, that, everybody needs a friend like that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm very lucky. But, yeah, I'm just here having fun. It's our first day, and yeah, I'm having a really good time so far. What have you seen so far? What do you like? Uh, episode 9, man. Were you in the panel? Episode 9. Yeah, yeah, we were there. What would you think? It was awesome. It was great. It's yeah. cool because all the unexpected people I saw there that I never thought I'd see in person was really fun. Were you close? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were, we were there. <laughs> so what do you think of the title? I raises a lot of questions. We were literally just talking about that right now. Like, what does it mean? Yeah, what what do you guys it, think? Come here, come here. We will have to wait and see. Yeah. 
It's, it's going to be a long eight months. Yeah, right? I will not speculate. I will not confirm or deny such claims. What are some of the things that you guys are talking about? What I want to see from that title is that Mara Jade's there, and she's got 16 kids, and they're the Skywalkers, and it's like the rise of Skywalker. And It's like the Brady Skywalkers. Yeah, it's just all about Mara Jade. That's what the whole movie's going to be about. That's awesome. See. Yeah. Okay, so that's your plan, Mara Jade and uh, a ton of little baby Skywalkers. <laughs> movie that came out in 1977, nobody knew what it was about. You know, you had Stephen Colbert talk about how, you know, I mean, 40 years later, dude, we are back here. We are still celebrating this franchise that has been going strong. What do you think? I mean, it's it's great that it's coming to an end, but it's also sad at the same time. But, you know, Star Wars, infin Star Wars universe is infinite, so... You can only go up from here, and I'm really looking forward to the closure, you know, episode nine, and seeing, you know, the end of the series as so told by Lucas, you know, three parts, essentially. So really excited about that. So let me ask you this. Uh, you're a Star Wars fan. On a daily basis, obviously, myself too as a Star Wars fan, we always, something in our lives is Star Wars. How do you Star Wars on a daily basis? Uh, I represent with my tattoos. <laughs> oh, awesome! And this—if this were video, you, I'd show them to you. Show them to us. It's but a, it's uh, a Sith. It's a Sith. Oh, excellent! Yeah. This is Matt from Austin, Texas, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Awesome, Matt! Thank you, guys. The rebels are alerted to our presence. Admiral Ozzel came out of light speed too close to the system. So Matt has an Imperial tattoo. Are you oh. jealous, Brad? Uh, I am. Um, uh, so uh, the, the short answer is yes. I have a uh, the Jedi Order uh, symbol uh, tattooed on my uh, right calf. Uh, I'm not. I don't regret any uh, tattoo that I've gotten. Uh, I will say um, that uh, in retrospect, maybe I've gotten something else. Um, but uh, tattoos are a great way of expressing your fandom. Um, by the way, I'll. While we're here, I'll give another plug for our Twitter. We did uh, send out a tweet about Star Wars tattoos. So if you have any Star Wars tattoos, uh, find that tweet and then reply and show us what you got. But, uh, you know, my son and I, you know, you said the Imperial tattoo. He, he wants to as soon as he turns 18. We have a few years now before that happens. Uh, but uh, as soon as he turns 18, he wants to get in. He wants to get Imperial tattoos together. Oh, wow. So that's just another one of those ways that, you know, people can bond and, you know, I am always impressed when, um, if I'm wearing shorts, you know, and, and the tattoo is visible, the person that can come up and say, you know, that's the uh, Jedi Order. That's a pretty cool tat, as opposed to, well, you know, you know, the uninitiated, oh, you don't get the Rebel Alliance tattoo, oh. and then and have to correct them. So you know, you have a true Star Wars fan if they recognize it as the Jedi Order tattoo. Right. That's but, great. Uh, Matt's Matt's absolutely right, and you know. Most of us never grow out of Star Wars, no matter how hard we try. Talk about being closet nerds for, for decades. You know, many times I've got to say, you know, at some point I need to grow up. But you know what? You know, screw all that. You know, it, it, this is this is part of who we are. This is not even though George Lucas said, you know, a Star Wars was a movie for 12 year olds. It's you know, for the 12 year old inside. Sure. You know, everybody, you know, so, you know, stop trying to fight that. Just, you know, embrace it and have fun. with it. Totally, totally. So uh, he also uh, mentioned uh, his reaction to the trailer. He was talking about Mara Jade, and and as soon as uh, Carrie Russell was announced, everybody went crazy with the whole Mara Jade uh, situation. Um, what do you what do you think about that? 
Well, I seriously doubt that she's going to be there as Mara Jade. I hate to say that to our fans who, you know, love the EU and, and the legends, whatever you want to call it. Um, I would love for Mara Jade to be in there personally. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but, uh, I, I see personally, I foresee her as a, um, probably a first order, um, officer or something along those lines. It could be complete. We'll, we'll play this back in a few months and see how wrong I am on that. Sure. But, uh, you know, he's absolutely right that the trailer raises a lot of questions and, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, some people these days get offended when you start talking about, you know, is she a Skywalker? Who's the parentage, um, you know, theories on Snoke. Uh, Palpatine, Plagueis, um, but you know, let's remember back in the day, you know, in the '80s and '90s. Let's talk about that time between Return of the Jedi and Episode One. We had 16 years just to theorize, yeah, and <laughs> hypothesize. And sure. how great was that? You you remember those uh, forums back in the day? Yeah, they were just strings of theories of you know, you know, maybe this, and no, you're wrong. It's probably this, and you know, but it was fun. And uh, we need to get back to that. Just, you know, theorize away. You know, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Whatever you can think of, you know, throw it out there. Totally. Who knows? Totally. You're probably right. You know, somebody called uh, that trail, the the title, was it back in 2013? Uh, I think that guy called it, you know, The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. I saw uh, that. So, uh, and that, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think he also added the return of Palpatine on the end of that tweet. Yes. But, uh, uh, so, may, let's see. Let's hope that he's 100% correct on that. But uh, yeah. definitely, let's, you know, don't get out of hand with it. You know, respect other people's opinions. But I think that's half the fun is just theorizing. Sure, sure. I do uh, I do agree with you. So I, I've got a quick little question here from one of our followers, uh, Ali K. Um, <laughs> Ali is a funny guy because uh, I, I love him. He He's always walking his dog and taking pictures, taking selfies with his dog. And I and I told him, dude, you got you got to do a, like a podcast or you got to do a YouTube uh, channel where where it's just you and your dog because it's uh, it's the like the most adorable thing you've ever seen. So Ali, props to you and the pup. I still think you should start your own show, man. <coughs> Ali's got a question, and uh, without obviously uh, opening up uh, the Star Wars encyclopedia, uh, he asks where where do the Ewoks live. Is the moon called Endor, or is the planet called Endor, and the moon is nameless? So that's uh, Ali's question for us. And obviously, in Return of the Jedi, they say that uh, uh, the moon, it's the moon of Endor. So I'm assuming that the the planet is Endor. Yeah. So it really depends uh, on what resource you look at. Um, I will tell you what my personal answer, and I'll say what what the official answer may be. Um, well, actually, I'll go with the with the official answer. Um, you said don't look at the encyclopedia, but I was curious just to see if the Star Wars databank uh, backed up what I already thought, and it really didn't. It's a, well, it's only got one paragraph I think on Endor in the databank, and it kind of alludes to the fact that the moon is called Endor. Okay. Um, so um, that's what it says. However, going back to the Return of the Jedi, uh, as you said. Not only do they call it the forest moon of Endor, but Emperor Palpatine also refers to it as the sanctuary moon. So I'm going to say that the correct answer is it's the sanctuary moon. That's the name of it. Um, and the planet is Endor. So the uh, 
Ewoks and all the other great creatures that we saw in the um, classic 1980s films that came out. Um, they all live on the sanctuary moon of the planet Endor. That's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Nupa, nupa. I think somebody asked me why we came up with that's the scuttlebutt. Can you talk <laughs> a little bit about that? Yeah, I, w- I wonder how many people are confused. Like, what is what is scuttlebutt? Right. Um, obviously, we had to, you know, it's a cool name. Scuttlebutt's one of the coolest words ever. Uh, Scarif is one of the coolest locales ever. Um, and I love Rogue One. It's my favorite Disney movie uh, for Star Wars. Um, but uh, scuttlebutt, that's a Navy term. I've been in the Navy uh, for a few years now, uh, 17, give or take. It's just so everybody knows a little history on there. The scuttlebutt was the old term for a water fountain on board a ship. Uh, you would call that the scuttlebutt. And uh, people would stand around the scuttlebutt and just talk. You know, they would uh, talk about rumors, uh, you know, the most recent gossip and all that kind of stuff. So eventually it just evolved. So those rumors and gossip and, you know, all those conversations just evolved into being scuttlebutt uh, themselves. So when you talk about the scuttlebutt, that's all the recent news, all the gossip, you know, all the juicy stuff that you may have heard. Uh, That's what the scuttlebutt is. Oh, interesting. That's cool. Awesome. So uh, there you go. Uh, That's the scuttlebutt. And we're going to be using that uh, a lot just to kind of help us find uh, topics on uh, Twitter and uh, things like that. So uh, that's pretty cool. We've... uh, we, I think we've, uh, we're off to a great, great start. And speaking of armed forces, uh, I met a gentleman named Don West who uh, was uh, very inspirational. He was inspired uh, by a very sad situation in his life. Uh, we posted some pictures up on Twitter, on my uh, Twitter account and, uh, and the, the podcast Twitter account, and we'll do it again once we have this uh, up and running. But uh, he built a tank, um, and he's got quite a story to tell us. If a story gives you goosebumps, you know it's a good thing. And what he's doing, you know, what he's done is truly a good thing. Here is uh, Don West. He's telling me the story of his inspiration. Uh, Grab the Kleenex box because you're going to need it. Uh, You're going to tear up. And, And he did tear up during our interview. Let's see what Don has to say. Hey again, this is Rogazka again coming to you from Star Wars Celebration Chicago. It has been a fantastic day too. There's a lot of things that happened earlier today, but uh, we have someone special here. Uh, how you doing? Uh, tell me what your name is and where you're from. Hi, I'm Don West. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm also the uh, proprietor and owner of Veteran Garage Props, which is a nonprofit out of Kentucky. Awesome. So. I see a lot of people just coming over here to take pictures of your tank. Tell me a little bit, in-universe, where is the tank from, what movie, and uh, uh, yeah, just tell me about the tank. Uh, the tank is from Rogue One. It is a TX-225 assault vehicle, and basically it's what they used in the city of Jeddah to move kyber crystals uh, out of the city. That is exciting, an exciting scene, an exciting movie. So tell me a little bit about how you made this uh this vehicle, I, I heard you telling someone that uh, there's a special uh, special heart underneath there. What is that? <laughs> there's definitely that. Uh, we, we, we brainstormed our, uh, our hearts out just trying to figure out 
what exactly what type of vehicle we need to put underneath there. Everything from a truck to a minivan. We actually had a minivan initially donated to us. The transmission went out. So we couldn't cut it down enough. Um, we ended up trading it in for a Mercury Grand Marquis, which completely threw our specifications out the window. So we had to adjust a little bit here and there, cut a little bit, a lot of it off of the vehicle. But yes, that's what's underneath there is a Mercury Grand Marquis. Wow, that's fantastic. What are some of the challenges when you're trying to make uh, a, a vehicle from a galaxy far, far away, uh, you know, based on a, a vehicle from that we know, yeah. Yeah, the vehicle that's never existed. Um, when we first started to build the tank, we didn't know what the dimensions were. Uh, we didn't even know uh, exactly what it was based off of uh, at the time. Um, once we did find out what it was, the actual true Ameri uh, U United, United Kingdom vehicle that it was based off of, uh, we figured the specs off of that, and then we adjusted, went outwards, so we could understand what they did differently for the movie vehicle itself, and, and then we got our dimensions that way. Wow, that's cool. So there was no like Lucasfilm blueprints or anything like that? I mean, you, you guys watch the movie a lot of times just to kind of take some notes? Oh my gosh, yeah. More screen grabs than I probably got storage on my PC. I was just plugging away every half second. Every time I saw that tank, uh, that's it. I was taking screenshots, zooming in on everything, trying to figure out exactly what details I needed to, uh, needed to install on the tank in order to make it look right. Well, it's fantastic. It's a great-looking tank, and it's a special tank. Tell me a little bit about why it was built. Uh, obviously, uh, fans love the look of the tank, but there's a special meaning behind the building of the tank. Tell me a little bit about that. Definitely. Um, I, I've built a lot of large Star Wars props. Um, about a year and a half before I met a young boy named Phil, uh, excuse me, about a year after I met a young boy named uh, Phil Parks. I was not into the 501st Legion until... Uh, I wasn't in the 501st Legion for more than a year when I met Phil. He was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, huge Star Wars fan. Um, and he was the catalyst of everything that we've done, everything that we've built, everything that we've created Star Wars-wise uh, in the Kentucky area. Wow, that's fantastic. And once we got the tank to, uh, to a status where we could show it, that's when we... Got Phil's mother, got Phil's brother, brought him over to the show and told him that we dedicated the tank to Phil. So it's, it's TX-225 Phil is the name of the vehicle. Wow, what a, an incredible story. So, I mean, earlier I saw you interview with uh, uh, one of the local TV stations. You started getting a little uh, choked up. I mean, it's it's such a wonderful sentiment. What what goes through your mind when, when you see all these, you tell all these people the, the backstory, don't you? I do. Um... And it, it still, it still will choke me up. I don't get, I don't get twisted up by a lot. But that little boy was, he was a fighter the whole way through, and the whole time he had a smile on his face. You could see the pain, and uh, he just he went he he fought through everything just to ensure that everyone around him wasn't suffering with him, and that was just incredible to me. Twenty five years in the army, and. I get choked up every time I talk about this young man, and because he's he is he's that much of an inspiration to me, and to a lot of people that helped me build things. So, wow. So yeah, you were in the army. Yes, sir. Twenty years. Twenty-five years in the army. I was a tanker in the army. <laughs> All right. Uh, Twenty. Did, did you uh, serve in Jeddah? No, I wish. <laughs> it wouldn't have got it blowed up like it was in Jeddah. 
Um, no, I, I did 25 years in. I was a tanker the entire time, except for three years as a recruiter, but it was great. And then when I retired, I, I followed my, my Star Wars love. I became the stormtrooper I've always wanted to be. And then I met Phil. He was a great inspiration, huge inspiration, uh, and just kept me building other props. In fact, I was in the middle of building twin speeder bikes when I saw the commercial for Rogue One, and I immediately told everybody, that's, that's what we're building next. Tell me, when you, when, when you see these fans come in and just, I mean, it's, it's such an enjoyable thing. What, what, how do you feel? I feel great. I mean, it, to see that something, even though it's really not that simple, but really as simple as something that just sits here, that they can physically touch, physically get on, be a part of something that, you know, in their hearts and minds is something that is a part of their life that doesn't exist here, but it's here for them. It's that's just an amazing feeling. Who who doesn't get goosebumps every time they, they, they live a childhood fantasy or a childhood dream? Yeah, and people are still coming in droves. It's late in the day, day two, Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. Don, thank you very much for that story and uh, thank you very much for sharing it. I tell you what, that was amazing. And first off, I just want to say, you know, may the force be with Phil and, and Phil's family. Uh, you can tell he was strong with the force and, you know, his spirit lives on through, you know, Don mentioned that he tells the story to every single person um, that, you know, comes and visits that tank. And uh, I saw the picture of that tank and obviously he got a lot of visitors and for Don to tell that story, Phil's story, to all those other, you know, the fellow fans, you know, his his spirit lives on, and I found that amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it's the first thing he talks about. Like I said, he teared up uh, during our TV interview when we were interviewing him for our story, and uh, you know, he's just a great guy. I mean, him and his uh, his teammates, they're they're fantastic. And like you said, it uh, it keeps Phil's memory alive, and um, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and, you know, as a member of the Navy, I want to salute him. 25 years in the Army as a tanker, and I think it's pretty cool that he's a tanker, and then goes on to build the uh, – he goes on to build the coolest tank, you know, in Rogue One from Jeddah. Um, you know, he mentioned something in there about, uh, you know, he followed his love after he got out of the uh, Army – and anybody that's familiar with the story, the backstory of Star Wars, Joseph Campbell, as you mentioned, was a huge influence on George Lucas. Um, Joseph Campbell, probably the biggest mythologist of the 20th century. Um, you know, he said George Lucas was his best student ever. And one of the things that Joseph Campbell said, you know, if you want to be happy, follow your bliss. You know, he said that a few times, just follow your bliss. And uh, that's what Don has done. He, you know, followed his love for, for vehicles and for building. And, and now, you know, he, you know, he took that first step into a larger world. Yeah. And as Obi-Wan said, and, you know, now is, you know, there's no, there's no limit to what he can accomplish now. Um, and really inspirational. I mean, again, I mean, we got folks like, uh, uh, the young lady that was inspired by Ashley Eckstein. It's uh, you know Star Wars is very inspirational. It's uh, 
you know, obviously it's more than just a movie. It's a concept. And uh, I love that the fans are, you know, getting together and, and uh, are able to, to kind of pay, pay it forward. It's, it's an amazing thing to see, uh, especially uh, with five days of Star Wars celebration that just happened in Chicago. It, uh, it, it's really one of my favorite things to, to have been able to witness. Yeah, and we've mentioned the 501st a couple times, and, you know, the costuming is the, you know, the, the basics of what they do. But their work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and I know uh, up on the Star Wars stage, they had some uh, some of the kids from the Make, Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, and we talk about the strength that Star Wars can provide. You know, they had one uh, little girl up there on the Star Wars stage that actually beat her cancer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being part of the Make-A-Wish Foundation and, you know, being uh, affiliated with the 501st, you know, if the Make-A-Wish Foundation needs the 501st, they're they're there, you know, right away, right there in, you know, in the hospital, uh, in the cancer ward, in the the children's ward, what have you. They're they're right there. So their their work, you know, you can't you can't understate or overstate how much their work means. Yeah. That little girl's name was uh, Angela. And uh, the five, yeah, the five hundred first came out and uh, awarded her, you know, honorary member. Uh, it was it was really touching. It's really great um, up there on the Star Wars stage. I salute the five hundred first for that. Yeah, and you know their spirits in a good place. You know the there was a man a few years ago. Uh, you know he had uh, I think it was terminal cancer, and you know he was uh, supposed to die right before. The Force Awakens came out. Yes, I remember. And yeah. they, you know, and, and they let him view it in a special viewing, and uh, you know, to, to leave this world with, with with that in your heart that that's that's an amazing thing. Yeah. But you know, on a much lighter note, that that tank that he made that, that is a kick ass tank. Yeah. And uh, probably you know that 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 scene from Jetta, one of the coolest scenes you know in Rogue One, and uh, that you know that battle scene is what we look for as Star Wars geeks. You know, you have the stormtroopers, the tanks, and the ATST rolls in. So uh, I'm just waiting for the folks at EA to uh, incorporate that into uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Yes. Um, not that they're listening, but uh, maybe they will. Um, but, uh, you know, having that to, to play on that would be amazing. Yeah, I didn't realize, you know, when you posted the picture originally, I didn't realize that thing could move on its own power. But knowing that it actually works, that adds another level to it. Yeah, that is badass. So speaking of badass, we've got another interview with some badass cats. And yes, I said cats. So, uh, you know, talking about uh, all sorts of people, all sorts of walks of life of Star Wars fans, it's it's uh, it was fantastic. When I saw this woman, uh, her name is Jennifer. When I saw Jennifer rolling towards me with a stroller, uh, didn't realize what was in the stroller. She had two cats, uh, her comfort cats that uh, she brought to Star Wars Celebration in the stroller. Uh, and her the stroller that she coined it the cat at, um, or was it the at cat? The, the uh, at cat. The at cat. The at cat. So uh, it's a funny thing. You know, people, uh, obviously, they dress their pets up and, and do all sorts of wonderful things. And yes, Ali, I'm talking to you. But uh, so... The, uh, Jennifer uh, brought her uh, cats, and it was hilarious. I was interviewing her, and people just kept on coming and, and, and taking pictures of the cats. They, one of them was fast asleep. I didn't even know there were two of them in there until I kind of, like, carefully looked in there. But, uh, you know, it, 
all sorts of people, all sorts of situations, and uh, that's one of the things I love about that. Uh, let's take a listen to what Jennifer has to say about her at cats, and uh, we'll come back and, and see what we have to say about her cats. I've just about had enough of you. Hey, here we are with, uh, can you tell me your name and where you're from? I'm Jennifer, and I'm from Chicago. Awesome. I was going to say welcome, but you already live here. <laughs> so tell me about AtCat. Um, AtCat is basically the pet stroller that I have, and I take my two um, ESA animals, my emotional support kitty cats, in it. They've been trained since they were little tiny kittens. They've been to cons with me before, and they're just taking it all in. As you can see, one of them's flat out asleep, and the other one's just sort of interested in everybody and wants to be petted. What's their names? The fluffy girl is Daenerys, and the striped boy is Tyrion, so Game of Thrones fan, clearly. Awesome. And I was going to say, are they also Star Wars fans? Uh, absolutely. They, uh, she uh, likes to sniff the lightsaber. You can see they've actually got toys in here of uh, BB-8 and Hux and Kylo Ren and everybody. So we're here at Star Wars Celebration. It's the last day. Tell me, what kind of reaction have you had from fans and, and folks around? Com completely positive, really. Everybody wants to see them. Everybody wants to take their picture because I have the little at cat sign. Uh, Star Wars fan love a good pun, apparently. <laughs> and, and so many people have just been like, oh, I miss my pet. I haven't seen them in four days. Can I pet your kitty cats? And that's partially what they're here for. They're here for, every, for me and for everybody else. And it's funny, since we're sitting here uh, talking to you, probably five or six people have already come and taken the pictures. Yep. <laughs> that's been happening all weekend. When did you start doing this with them? Uh, I started when they were teeny tiny little kittens, probably about 10 weeks old. Um, I put, got them used to their harnesses, got them used to being in the stroller on leashes. I took them to, you know, events where I knew there were going to be a lot of people, particularly kids and particularly dogs. So I would take them to like Easter egg hunts or I would take them out trick-or-treating. So they would get used to a lot of noise and a lot of excitement. Um, I started taking them to C2E2, which is the um, big comic book convention here. Wizard World, I've taken them to Ace. I've taken them to New York Comic Con. Wow. When are, when are you going to set up uh, an autograph signing for them? Yeah, right. I keep saying I should charge for petting them. <laughs> Five dollars a pet. <laughs> How long have you been a Star Wars fan? Uh, I've been a Star Wars fan pretty much since I was born. I was born in 1978, so I was the Star Wars generation. Uh, so I grew up with A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I was just about to finish college when the prequels came out, and I was totally about that. Um, I remember crashing my old dinosaur computer in 1999 when the first teaser trailer, teaser, that can't talk teaser trailer for it came out. And there's more people in line waiting to take pictures. Awesome, yeah. So tell me, what what is it about Star Wars that attracts you? Um, I've always been a big fan of fantasy, you know, Lord of the Rings, things like that, and. Star Wars is still very much a fantasy. It's set in space, but it's not really sci-fi in the same way that, say, Star Trek is, or even like the Alien movies. Um, it's basically a combination of a Western and a fantasy that's set in space. And the whole idea of, you know, there's Jedi Knights and there are these big scary bad guys <laughs> with the addition of some cute furry things. <laughs> like Porgs and Ewoks? Yes, Wookiees, Ewoks, everything. Kittens. Kittens. <laughs> it must be the, telling people they're Tuka cats. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's like a line behind me now. This is fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, she's posing and he's completely asleep. <laughs> yeah, he's always like this. He just sleeps through everything. 
That's awesome. Uh, my name is Jennifer, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Awesome. Thank you, Jen. You're welcome. Jennifer was really cool, and her cats were really cool. You know, uh, my wife and I have, uh, when we first met, we had three cats. Uh, they passed away, then we got two more. Um, good old Taco and Wally. And it's wonderful that she was able to share her love of her cats with, uh, with Star Wars fans because I tell you, people were coming in droves. There, were a, there was a line behind me, and they just wanted to see the cats. It was, it was really great. Yeah, it probably started with the fact that she did pick the coolest names ever for those cats, uh, Daenerys and Tyrion. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, do you watch Game of Thrones? I Actually, I don't. Okay, I won't hold it against you. But, yeah. Um, those are two of my favorite characters from Game of Thrones. So, uh, if any of our, uh, you know, followers, uh, friends uh, want to talk Game of Thrones, you know, I have my other account on Twitter. You know, we can, we can talk away on Game of Thrones after that. But uh, uh, Daenerys and Tyrion were really cute there in the uh, at cap. Uh, want to give her credit for you know using the word at at not a t a t, yeah. Um, so um, good kudos to her for that. Um, she mentioned there uh, she was talking about the trailers, um, you know, back in the day, and uh, I, I remember, you know, as she said, waiting for those trailers. Um, you know, my favorite trailer back in the day was the episode three trailer. And I had to wait forever for that thing to download. This back in 2005, 2004 when it came out or yeah. originally. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I must have watched that trailer. Uh, probably, you know, this new trailer, I haven't been ex- this excited since the episode three trailer. About the same amount of excitement. But uh, when I heard, I guess it all goes back to Palpatine, <laughs> now that I think of it. Sure. Uh, when Palpatine said, you know, the dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities, some considered to be unnatural. Dude, I got goosebumps on the back of my totally. neck. Totally, yeah. That one ended with uh, Obi-Wan yelling, uh, you are the chosen one. And I, I, you know, my wife just nearly killed me. I watched that thing so many times. Um, but uh, what, what was your favorite trailer of all the different movies? The one that really affected me uh, was The Force Awakens because after many, many years of thinking, that's it, George is not going to do any more Star Wars after Return of the Jedi, after um, Episode 1, 2, and 3, we got we got those movies, but then, you know, I thought that was it. And to be able to have seen... Uh, at the end of that epi- at the, the end of that trailer, when Chewie and Han come in into you know into the scene into the Falcon and say Chewie, we're home, I literally, oh. I literally, I shed some tears, Brad. I, I'm not going to oh, lie. Yeah. yeah, and Jennifer also mentioned. I think she used the words like uh, fantasy uh, western. Uh, you know, it's a western fantasy, and I immediately thought of that uh, the new Mandalorian series coming out. Um, did you were you in on that panel? I was, and one of the things that I took uh, from that uh, panel was really great to be able to see these actors really be as excited as we would be if we were up there. Yeah, and I'm not uh, the only thing I'm familiar with from his work is you know he is on Game of Thrones or he was on Game of Thrones, and just an exceptional actor. Yeah. Um, so you know that character of the Mandalorian is in good hands. And uh, like you said, you know, when you have guys like Dave Filoni and, and, you know, John Favreau has the lead on this, you can tell when the person developing loves it as much as we do. 
you know, it, you're going to get a quality product, just like when uh, Ron Howard took over for the solo project. Yes. You know, he, he loves, loves the saga, loves the characters. And you could tell that with the final product. So I think the Mandalorian is going to be amazing. Uh, yeah. Howard. And the first, uh, in the panel, they didn't, I don't think they stream, uh, when they were streaming it, I don't think the folks, uh, that were watching the stream, they played the first seven minutes of the Mandalorian and, uh, you know, Day, uh, not Dave Filoni. Um, John Favreau talked about uh, how you know the, this project is really made for the fans, and I was very pleased to hear that. The from what I saw, and again, I won't spoil it, but uh, you know, Disney Plus streaming Mandalorian, and I think uh, I heard that uh, they're not going to do what they're doing with uh, Star Trek Discovery, where it's one a week. They're just going to dump it all in, and you can binge on a weekend and watch the whole thing. So. I'm very excited for November to Actually, come. The, the latest thing I, I I read something that said the opposite. Oh, they okay. Were, yeah, I think I think they may have decided. That, we'll have to take a look at that. I think they may have decided not to do that. Oh, okay. Um, so we'll, we'll have to take a look to see sure. uh, what, what they decided on finally on that. Yeah, we'll watch. We'll uh, we'll watch the news uh, uh, on that. I'd rather I'd rather have it spread out now. Um, I missed Game of Thrones the first you know three or four seasons. I wasn't a fan at the beginning, and so I did have to binge watch that. But, you know, I've often said, you know, the, the world's a different place when Game of Thrones is on because you have something to watch on the weekend and then you're talking about it all week after that. Yeah. And you're looking forward to the next one uh, after that. So I'm per- perfectly OK with there being, you know, whatever gap in between shows to give us time to, you know, let it sink in, to digest and for us to talk about it endlessly before the next one comes on, because uh, that happens with Game of Thrones fans all the time, uh, sure. you know. Can you believe this or that happened? So I'm I'm perfectly all right with it being spread out. I can see that. I can see that. I like to watch it all, especially Star Wars. I I, I would uh, I wouldn't mind uh, sitting down for how many hours and and just uh, kind of <clears throat> taking it all in at once. But uh, I can see the uh, the appeal of uh, you know watching it one week and then talking about it for a couple of days until the next one. So that's kind of cool. That's a you know that's a cool fan thing to do. Um, I think. Was there uh, any news? I don't remember seeing anything. Was there any talk about the Cassian series? No, actually, uh, that was all silent. I didn't hear anything about uh, the Cassian series. Um, nothing. Nothing. Not even a panel. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I mean, I obviously I love the movies, but I soak it up. You know, all the different media: the books, comic books, cartoons video games. Uh, I love all the different media. I'm, so I'm okay with them backing off the movies for, uh, for the time being. So I would ask our followers, what is your favorite medium besides the movies? Uh, or maybe it's not the movies. What is your favorite medium to enjoy Star Wars? Sure. Uh, so if you uh, hear that question, uh, reply to us on Twitter and let us know what you think. Uh, do you like the comic books? Do you like the books, the video games? Uh, how do you enjoy uh, the Star Wars stories the most when you're not watching the movies? Yeah, it's such a hard question because uh, the Star Wars universe is so rich and uh, full of incredible characters like we discussed. Writers, you know, like Claudia Gray and, and uh, I mean, her book, Lost Stars, was one of the first novels that I wrote, that, that I wrote, that I uh, <clears throat> read. That was before The Force Awakens, it's considered a young adults novel, but it it was so great. Yes. It was so well written. 
Yeah, I, I hate that title, young adult. I mean, there's, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's a love story, sort of, kind of, but uh, I don't, I hate that tor- uh, that that term, young adult. I mean, that that I'm with you. That's one of the best stories. You know, Claudia Gray's immensely um, smart with with her writing. Yeah, Lost Stars, uh, Bloodline. Um, Bloodline, I think Bloodline was fantastic. Yeah, greatest story outside of the movies uh, right now, I, I believe. Um, as far as the canon books go. Yeah. So, and I just bought uh, master and apprentice uh, yesterday. I can't wait to dive into that. Uh, it looks fantastic talking about Qui-Gon and, and our theory of uh, gray Jedi's, but uh, yeah, there's some adventures there. Obi-Wan, have you done as I asked? Have you drained the boy? Master Qui-Gon, how are you here? And sort of the theme that's evolved in our conversation is this generational aspect to star Wars and George Lucas said from the beginning, uh, or at least, you know, when return of the Jedi came out that the story was about sons and fathers. Yes. Um, and you can say, you know, mothers and daughters as well these days, but, uh, you know, being a dad and you know being a fan of star Wars, it's such the experience uh, I've posted more pictures on Twitter than people probably care to see, but uh, the joy that the the kids get out of Star Wars is amazing, and uh, you know that's what makes being a dad so fun. I agree, totally agree. Uh, a uh, a fan dad is the best kind of dad. Um, yep. We're fan dads, and uh, uh, you know our kids see it. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of lessons there, um, like you said. And uh, speaking of fan dads, you know, I have been trying to connect with uh, Victor, uh, who is a fan dad. And he started, uh, along with a buddy of his, started an organization, a group uh, called Fan Dads. Uh, shout out to Fan Dads. If you guys are on Twitter, just look them up, Fan Dads and, and Instagram. Uh, they do some really cool stuff, uh, you know, like Dad's Night Out and things like that. Um, but, uh, deep down, it's really about, uh, you know, instilling values in, in your children. And, uh, Victor has uh, a lot to say about that. Uh, th- and that's what he does through fan dads. Here is Victor of fan dads, uh, talking about what he does and what star Wars means to him and his family. Let's take a listen. Victor from Fan Dads. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good. How's it going for you? Pretty good, pretty good. So this is the last day of Star Wars Celebration. We had such a fantastic time. I know you, uh, you're you here with your family today, but you've been here the uh, last couple of days. Uh, tell me about your experience. Uh, it's been, it's been uh, emotional. It's odd to say that because I went to the first one in Denver. Um, I saw the picture. You had such a baby face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had, and I had longer hair. Um, but yeah, and then coming here, being in the hometown, it, it was a lot easier to get here. But just like watching like the, the recap videos and stuff like that, I mean, I didn't expect to get so emotional, but I was like tearing up and crying while watching that stuff. And you're referring to the closing ceremony? Yeah, the, 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 the recap video at the closing ceremony. I mean, a lot of the stuff that they showed and like, you know, hearing what everyone's saying, it's like, you could ask anybody and they all would say pretty much the same thing because it, it's universal and it's just feels, um, it just feels great. So what? What? So what does Star Wars mean to your family? You're here with your your kids and your your family. What uh, What does that mean to, to you and them? Um, 
two hours of peace and quiet because everyone's <laughs> no but it's it's you know it's a great way for all of us to just you know just sit down and enjoy something that we all you know enjoy and then just you know for me like watching something that they haven't watched yet uh just seeing like the i guess the wonderment in their eyes or like the questions they have after it's over or even while it's playing you know like why is that going on or who's that person uh, and it's fun because it, it just builds on to the next movie and to the next and it just it, it has them intrigued which is also a pretty awesome thing it's a and i i've got uh i've got well now he's a 14 year old but uh introducing him to star wars was a very similar experience it's it's almost like you're living that moment again but through their eyes right yes yes and, and then the thing too it's like We've watched A New Hope a couple of times. We've tried, we started Empire, and like they fall fallen asleep because it's usually like depending on the time of the day. But with everything that's out there, they kind of already know like the storyline and what's happening. So I think the day when we finally sit through Empire, I hope that reveal is as strong to them as it was for me. But we'll, we'll see how, what happens when we get to that day. Uh, so is this, this is your daughter? Yes. So what's your name? Sophia. Sophia. Tell me. What's it like to have a cool, nerdy dad? Well, it's fun how he passes down stuff that he kind of did when he was little and like geeky stuff and he passes it down to us. What do you think of uh, his passion for this sort of thing? It's fun. And are you having fun now? Yeah. I mean, it's been a long day and a long weekend for everybody, but you guys seem to still have a little bit of energy. And uh, who's your favorite? Which, who's your favorite character out of all the Star Wars? Yeah, I'm obsessed with porgs. Oh, porgs! How can you not be? How can you not be obsessed with porgs? Can you make a porg sound? No. <laughs> not even if I tried, it'd be hard. Nice. So, uh, Victor, I wanted to ask you again. Um, you are half of a group uh, called Fan Dads. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, Fan Dads is uh, myself and my friend Gil Noriega. Um, it's basically the play off the word fanboys instead of, you know, we're still into all the sci-fi and comic books, video games, uh, but now we are dads and then we pass that on to our children. Uh, again, not by force. It's just, you know, they, they just pick it up as we like have it laying around the house. I see. Not by force. I see what you did there. That's no pun intended. <laughs> so what, uh, what kind of activities do you do uh, with the group? Uh, well, it's just me and him. Um, we do we do a lot of screenings on our website or on our Facebook page. Uh, we we have some cool partners here in the city that you know reach out to us whenever there's a movie coming out. So we do a lot of promotions for that. Uh, we do a lot of giveaways uh, on our site, on the actual website, fandads.com, and on the Facebook page. And then you know um, we also are part of a Chicago Dads group, and then they do a lot of things too with like you know just fathers getting together, either talking about their children or just having dads night out, you know, just to hang out. You know, that's awesome. That's awesome. Sophia, one last thing. Can you tell all the listeners, may the force be with you? How about a special message like that? May the force be with you. Awesome. High five. Fan dads, what a, what a great idea, huh? Yeah, it really does. Isn't that's a great concept. Sophia sounds like a great kid too. I, you know, I hope my kids, <laughs> feel the same way about me they're not just humoring me all the time uh, <laughs> with all my fan exactly. if you will and it's funny how old are your kids oh man they range from uh, five to 15 now oh wow my, my son was jabbing at me all weekend that you know as i was watching the live stream and and the trailers he's like you know dad you could have been out there in chicago we could have been out there in chicago <laughs> 
and he was relentless about it. And uh, he made sure to remind me uh, about every 20 minutes where we could have been this weekend, this past weekend. But, uh, you know, I'm like, I, I know I will not make that mistake again. I didn't think it was going to work out. It could have. Um, it could but, have. Uh, Remember, I had an extra pass for you. I know, but uh, <laughs> I did my best to be happy living vicariously through you guys. Sure. Which, which was mildly successful. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not going to make I'm, You know, I'll do my damnedest to make it out to Anaheim next year. You know, he mentioned, uh, he said the words through their eyes, m- talked about the stories you know, the, the Rogue One story with Vader and Boba Fett on Tatooine. And, you know, there's there's a number of other examples I could give. But to see Star Wars through their eyes, it's a really an amazing feeling. Definitely. Yeah, seeing seeing stuff like that through their eyes, it's just, it's, uh, it's like you're young again. And uh, it's fantastic to be able to share that with uh, with our kids. Yeah, it's, it's hard to get, we've seen the movies so many times, it's hard to get goosebumps from you know, maybe watching those scenes in the movies because you know what's going to happen. But when you see those reactions, you know, I, I get the goosebumps from seeing the reactions. Talking about reactions, there were, um, I'm very surprised at the amount of work that goes into creating these costumes. And I was telling a buddy of mine, you know, whenever I go to Home Depot uh, nowadays, I'm not looking for the usual stuff that you go to Home Depot for. Every time I see like a PVC pipe, how can I turn that into a Star Wars costume? It's it's an amazing, amazing thing. I was able to uh, witness, uh, be a part of the uh, Galaxy Stage cosplay competition. All of the outfits were incredible. There were uh, a few... People that were on stilts uh, as K2SO, uh, Darth Plagueis. There was uh, two Darth Plagueis cosplay uh, people that, that. Uh, were, were great. Amazing. Yeah, the fantastic stuff. Uh, just the work that goes into putting these uh, these outfits together, these uh, costumes together. Um, I did interview, I was able to interview a young lady who uh, did some amazing work uh, on a... Uh, a bantha that uh, she named uh, Margie, and uh, you'll see why uh, she named her Margie. But uh, you know, with Lisa, she created this costume that uh, is an amazing uh, costume that she can get into, and it rolls around this bantha that's a kind of a cross culture between her Chinese heritage and and her love of Star Wars. Uh, you saw the picture of uh, of my post, did. didn't you? Yeah. Uh, Victor from Fan Dads. One of the things he mentioned was the, you know, how Star Wars is universal. So it's great to see how uh, people take this these universal concepts and are able to blend their own cultures with these universal concepts. And the end product is just beyond belief, as you know we found with Lisa. Yeah, she was a great interview, a great inspiration, great artist. Uh, Lisa May Fong, her bantha was uh, one of the highlights of the cosplay competition there at Star Wars Celebration. Let's uh, let's take a listen to what Lisa has to say and how she came up with her project of uh, Margie, the Chinese dragon slash bantha. What's your name? I'm Lisa Mayling Fong. Lisa, first of all, congratulations on creating such a very unique Star Wars item. Can you describe a little bit uh, what you're feeling today? I am feeling like I don't 
I there's no limit to happiness, I guess. I'm kind of bursting with how many awesome people have been around here and how many appreciate how many people have appreciated my costume. <laughs> it is amazing. I was at the cosplay uh, the Galaxy stage when it came out. Oh my god. Ah, that's awesome. I guess the the crisscross of of obviously fandom and Star Wars and culture uh, with what you chose uh, can you describe what it was like um, putting something like this together? It's it's unique. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm just so thankful for Star Wars because it was such a perfect creative outlet. Um, I've, I've always been in love with the Bantha, so I probably saw the Bantha first on videotape when I was eight years old in 1982, so I guess that was 37 years ago. And I <laughs> I love the Bantha, and I also, I'm also um, Chinese American, and I also grew up with the Chinese line. So when I wanted to make a costume, I started making the Bantha, but I wanted it really interactive, so I wanted, I wanted her to make it blink and to open the mouth, and she sticks her tongue out and she gives swag. And I wanted... <laughs> That's awesome. In order to do that, I started. She started morphing into a Chinese lion. So it was kind of an. It was an homage to my cultural heritage, but it was also an homage to Margie, the Asian elephant. That was the original elephant that played the bantha. And later sure. on, later on, she uh, they studied her walking for an adat walking. So it's, I'm so glad you said adat, not atat. I, I'm usually of the ADAT, but uh, I, I won't hurt anybody if they say ATAT. <laughs> That's awesome. So, what does it take to, to do a project like this? I, I had a lot of ideas because um, I, I started studying Chinese lions, how they blink eyes. Um, a Chinese lion has a horn, so Margie. I nickname her Margie, the Banthalian, a Bantha Chinese lion hybrid. She has a horn that is now a gaffy stick that I got from the Disney parks. <laughs> and a Chinese lion also has a mirror. So uh, the horn deflects evil and the mirror, the mirror deflects evil and the horn fights evil. So I have the gaffy stick and on her mirror is a hybrid symbol that my cousin designed, my cousin Shelby Korea. Um, and I put her on a walker rollator because I wanted to leave her and then she's a prop and then I go in and I roll her around. So she's in four parts. She's on a rollator walker, the one with the seat. She has a head and she has two army bags. Now the army bags are stuffed in her aesthetic sacks. And then when I take her apart, she's a PVC frame on the rollator walker and I put all of her fabric that has raffia and cloth and curtains and all sorts of stuff into the bags. Well, it's astounding. It's I'm going to take a picture and post it on Twitter so people can know what we're talking about and obviously people that were here. Uh, everybody is walking by and pointing to it and uh, yeah, I'm just watching everybody. It's uh, Yeah, sometimes it's surprising because when they look through the eyes. Well, her her eyes are yo-yos and taxidermy eyeballs on it, but I can also see through those eyes and around the circumference of it. And some people are surprised they can actually peep in and see me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful creation, a hybrid of, of obviously fantasy and, and culture, as I said. Congratulations, Lisa. Aww, thank you so much. It was really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks.
I tell you what, Lisa deserved all the attention that she got out there at Star Wars Celebration. Um, again, so I'm not creative enough just to design a, a Bantha on its own, um, much less one that combines a Bantha, you know, with uh, one's own culture like that. Um, and didn't she have an interesting uh, bandolier as well? Oh yeah, and uh, she had a bandolier on, and obviously, I you know, she had kind of like a kind of a furry uh, vest on. I'm thinking, okay, Chewbacca, but uh, you look at it closer, and the bandolier, the um, the ammo packs were acrylic boxes, and inside the acrylic boxes were uh, Star Wars Lego figures, and I thought that was so inventive and really, really great. Uh, we'll post that picture again because uh, it's really it's it's quite a sight to see. It's the cutest thing too. Yeah. So thank you, Lisa, for sharing that with us. And most importantly, again, thank you for saying at at not at at. If you say at at, I don't know you. Excellent. So I appreciate that. You know, <laughs> pal says carabast at at. So I think that makes a canon right there, and that's what you're supposed to say. Yep. So thank you for that, Lisa. With that, I think we got a couple more shout-outs. Want to first say congratulations to Matt Vader. Uh, he's on Twitter, at MattVader74. Uh, he answered Ro's question really quickly. I think it was in within like two minutes. Yeah. He had the answer uh, of him tweeting it. Uh, Ro tweeted out, uh, fill in the blank, Commander, tear this blank apart until you found those plans and bring me the blank. I want them alive. He knew that the correct answer was ship and passengers. Yep. And... As a classic scene from A New Hope. Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans and bring me the passengers. I want them alive. And I never did understand the officer that called out Vader. Uh, I'm sure some of our followers can tell me what the name of that uh, lieutenant was, how that guy had the nerve to call out Vader and why he didn't get force choked. But I'm going to let that one slide. But uh, that was definitely a classic <laughs> scene uh, yeah. from uh, A New Hope. <clears throat> Remember, if you want to ask us a question or share your opinion on stars, shoot us a direct message on Twitter. Uh, our DMs are open. Or, as Rose said earlier, you can hashtag your tweets. You can either use Always Sunny on Scarif or That's the Scuttlebutt. And we will find those tweets and we will share them on the show. Or you can send us an email as well. Again, our email is scarifscuttlebutt at gmail.com. A last shout-out, a couple shout-outs I want to give. Um, special thanks to 100% Star Wars on Twitter. They are on Twitter, at Star Wars Life One. Thanks to them for helping to breathe some life into our own Twitter account. They've got a new YouTube channel, and we will make sure that you guys get a link to that. And finally, the last shout-out is for the Palpatine Star Wars page for their support, and you can find them on Twitter, at Darth Sidious 33 Beautiful name. At Darth Sidious 33 so check them out you're probably already following them but in case you're not give them a follow excellent and i want to give a special shout out to uh hyperspace and holocrons uh we uh were uh messaging each other uh from star wars celebration he is uh i think you said that you have met him before right yeah he was great we had met him down at uh, dragon con in atlanta georgia which is also an, there's uh, the star wars folks down there put on an amazing event at dragon con that happens uh in the beginning of september right around my birthday conveniently oh cool. so uh, i've gone there the last couple of years and met him there um 
didn't really, he came up and shook my hand. I had no idea who he was and quickly introduced himself. I'm like, Oh, that's you. And, uh, we immediately hit it off and he's a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Uh, waited in line. Uh, I think it was the Hasbro, uh, the Hasbro booth that, uh, Hasbro booth say that 10 times shout out to hyperspace and holocrons. If you don't follow him, he's a great guy. Uh, great Star Wars fan, and he's he's got some great things to say when we post some uh, questions and some uh, uh, hot takes, as they say, uh, yep. as the young kids are saying these days. So that's uh, fantastic. I'm uh, glad that I finally met. And when when he does come back into Chicago, I had posted that uh, I owe him some tacos. So you, you got one more thing. We have uh, one little segment, Ew. which is a lot of fun. Uh, I think we're going to um, have a lot of fun with that. What's it called? We'll see if you have fun with it. Oh, it's called yeah. Sentry Mode. Uh, as somebody who plays Battlefront 2 way too often, as you guys know, I've posted my pictures everywhere. This is called Sentry Mode. Um, and everybody loves Sentry Mode with the clones. So in this game, one of us will shoot up to five rapid-fire questions at the other. Some of them will be opinion-based, and some are Star Wars trivia. The other person will have five seconds to answer each question. If they fail to answer in the allotted time, they will be eliminated. If they answer all five questions successfully, they win. Wow. We will be keeping a uh, running tally, uh, which is good for nothing else except for relentless bragging rights. <laughs> um, and uh, listeners, please pay attention to these questions as well, because we'd like to see how you'd respond on Twitter. And uh, my kids... Help me develop these ones, and since it's our first episode, I'll go easy on you this time, so you'll probably get an easy win. But uh, you ready? I am ready. Here we go. Here we go. What is your favorite Star Wars video game of all time? Oh, the, the old Atari 2600 Empire Strikes Back. Classic. <laughs> all right. Number two. If you could live on one planet in the Star Wars universe, which one would it be? Oh, that's easy. Coruscant. Good man. Number three, moving right along. Who did Han Solo threaten with a fake thermal detonator on Corellia? Uh, what's her name? Madam Praxa? Ooh, Ooh. See, I don't know if I can give that to you. Yeah. But since it's our first episode, I'm going to go easy <laughs> on you and say that does count. We'll ask the judges and they said it counts. Lady Proxima. Yes. Yeah, you were close enough. You know, it's funny because I always confuse uh, her name with uh, the Klingon moon that exploded in Star Trek. Uh, hey, we, yeah. we don't talk about Klingons here on this podcast. <laughs> Wrong podcast, you sorry. Other podcast with that. Number four, if you were a Jedi, what color lightsaber would you choose? Oh, uh, I guess it would be blue, but I wouldn't be a Jedi. I would use a red lightsaber for obvious yeah. reasons. All right, that makes up for your number three answer. <laughs> Very good. All right, last one for the win. What was the name? And this was uh, submitted by my son, so this should be easy. What was the name of the clone that was malformed in the cloning process, provided janitorial and maintenance duties on Camino, and gave his life valiantly when the facility was attacked? Oh, my God. I can picture him, and I can picture the episode, but I don't know his name. Uh... You can delay all you want. You got three seconds left. No. <laughs> All right. It looks like I get this one. Yep. That was 99. Yes. 99. Yeah. Classic character. Classic character. And, I, I, and again, I, hope, I can picture him. I hope all of our listeners know who 99 is. If you don't, fix yourselves and go find those episodes of Clone Wars that are sure. no longer on Netflix. But... 
go find those and go find about 99. So that is one win for me. But next episode, he'll get to ask me those questions and we'll see how well I do on that. All right, Brad, that was our first Scarif podcast. What did you think of it? I think it's amazing. I think uh, we probably could have talked for another six to eight hours easily, but uh, we're going to spread it out. And uh, I want to thank everybody else for tuning in. So That's fantastic. I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, you know, talking Star Wars is uh, always easy for me, and I love talking Star Wars with other people. Uh, and Brad... Thank you so much for kind of spearheading this uh, process and uh, setting up all this stuff and, and calling out on your followers to be able to follow our podcast. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, even before uh, one episode was recorded, we've already had uh, how many followers did we already get? Oh, I think uh, up to nearly 130 already. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So uh, I can't wait to continue this project and uh, – uh, see where it goes. Uh, one of the things that uh, I love to do is talk Star Wars, and if we can keep this podcast uh, and Twitter account, we would love, we, we always love to interact with our fans and our, our listeners uh, because we share one thing. We share the love of Star Wars, and that is the scuttlebutt. That's no moon. You may fire when ready. I've got a bad feeling about this. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. You must unlearn what you have learned. You felt a great disturbance in the Force. I suggest a new strategy, Art. You underestimate the power of the dark side. <laughs>